0: I want to take you back to when I was eight years old, sitting in a primary school classroom. And I was looking out the window and really excited that I was about to play football. And I'm looking at the clock in the corner just ticking down and there's so much excitement and buzz for what's about to come. The bell's just about to ring and Miss Townsend goes, David, can you, uh, can you hold on a second? Sat down in the classroom. So, Miss Townsend, what do you want? Miss Townsend goes, "Dave." we've got that interview assembly at the church. I would like for you to do a talk at that assembly. I went to a church primary school. And I said, "Um, right, how many people are gonna be there? She said over a hundred people. I said, -uh, no way, no, see ya, not doing that. No, 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 Mm -mm. never get me to do that. No way now, no. So of course she convinces me to do it. Don't know how she did it. Obviously it has some sort of magical powers, but that aside, Speaking in front of 100 people is terrifying for anyone, really. Speaking in front of 100 people is very difficult as an 8 year old. But speaking in front of 100 people was always going to be very difficult for me. So one year before, seven years old, I diagnosed myself, if I can say, with this mental complex called thinking lies. Have you heard of thinking lies? No, that's cuz I made this shit up. And let me tell you how stupid that thinking lies was. Okay, it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. Thinking lies was a way to to explain these uh distrusts I had of my thoughts, my memories, my recollections. So, you know, my parents would say, "David, have you brushed your teeth?" and I might have brushed my teeth 30 seconds ago, but I just couldn't remember or something was blocking me. So, every day, pretty much for a year, my mom would actually have to watch me brush my teeth, you know. Just to make sure I'd done them right. Eventually, children at school caught on, you know, they could blame me for things I, had, you know, I hadn't even done, because I wasn't sure whether I had or hadn't done them. Homework, you know, I wasn't sure if I'd done it, even if it was my draw. Kept going, and it was more ridiculous and ridiculous and ridiculous. I just thought, oh, when I got a bit older, this is just civic kid stuff. This is stuff that, you know, all children think right. And I never really knew what Thinking Last was, but, when I got to university, my health psychology lecturer I was discussing it with her and she said it might have been the form of something called memory distrust syndrome, which is a condition that can't be diagnosed um, and it's where you develop a profound disbelief in your thoughts, memories and recollections and rely on external cues to guide you. And that made sense to me because as a child I was always thinking, you know, I can't be right, I'm not sure, you must know the answers, I don't know, so you must guide me in some way, you tell me what to do. And as crazy as all this sounds, that possibly doesn't sound too unfamiliar to you. The idea that when you're unsure, that you're allowing other people to guide you in some way, rather than taking control for yourself. Do you recognise that? So I was thinking I was kind of wore off in that way, you know. As I got older, I continued this sense of distrust, disbelief, things that everyone experiences. But I had it at such a profound level where I wasn't taking control of anything that I was doing. And that lack of self-belief really played a role in my life and managed to achieve certain things, but never quite the level that I wanted to. And that's why I set up the Self-Belief Chief Brand. Through the pain of certain things that I've been through, through the lack of disbelief as well, lack of belief rather. Through the lack of belief, not really getting a hold of what I want in life, not really being where I want to be in life. And understanding that at such a deep level that I thought I could pass on messages to others. And someone had asked me recently about, you know, I'm not sure if I can trust my own mind. And everyone has that feeling, so don't worry. Everyone else is thinking a similar thing, but how can we get control of that? How can we know if we're going the right way? And how can we know, as I put it, if we're lying to ourselves? Dr. Steve Peters, a really uh, well-known psychologist. He came up with something called the Chimp Paradox. And in fact, there's a book which I really recommend reading. And he talks about how we have three different parts of the brain. We've got the frontal, the parietal, and the limbic. The frontal part of the brain has all our rational thought processes. That's the rational part of the brain. The parietal is that part of the brain which holds numbers, statistics, figures, data, information of that kind. And then the limbic is this emotional part of the brain where we have our possibly irrational thoughts, but where fear comes from. And we know that fear is a part of what we need in life, but sometimes it comes up in the wrong way, right? That limbic part of the brain, that irrational part of the brain, I call that Pinocchio. And I think that everyone has a Pinocchio in their brain. It's not something to be afraid of. It's in fact, it's a part of you that's your friend. It wants to be on your side, but just occasionally, it's going to tell you a lie because Pinocchio is scared. And that's it. Pinocchio is scared in some way. So it's learning how to control and tame and talk to Pinocchio, or as Dr. Steve Peters, he calls it the chimp. Pinocchio is that thought I have because the thoughts of lying to ourselves. I really think we've got Pinocchio in our brain, but if we just learn how to be friends with it, then that can make such a difference as well. Now, how do we identify whether we're lying to ourselves or not? Well, it's dead simple. Sometimes we might say, oh, I haven't got the time or I don't have the money or I'm not in the right job. I don't have the right circumstances. I don't have the right people around me. What we lie about whenever we do lie to ourselves, the lie is always about one thing, resources. It's always about resources. And why do we lie about this? To either protect ourselves from pain, or we hold on to a lie if we've been rewarded by that lie in the past. So if we do something which isn't really us, or if we do something to please other people, or if we do something which we know isn't quite right, but we are continually rewarded for it in some way, Of course we're going to hold on to it. If the lie is, I don't make good first impressions, and then you constantly try and avoid scenarios or situations where you have to make a good first impression, and then you're rewarded by avoiding possibly socially awkward situations, then you might keep this up. When in fact, at no point, are you actually bad at first impressions. It might have just been a lie at one point in your life that you quickly told yourself. And a lie that you tell yourself, even from a very, very young age, can quickly escalate into something which seems a thousand times bigger. And that's part of what I do, is identifying the lie. When did he come up with the lie? And why have you held on to it? And I quickly want to take you back to that story at the church because for three or four weeks, I was practicing every single day three or four times a day, and I was thinking i, I don't have the exp- I'm eight years old i don't have the experience i'm going to mess up i'm going to look silly, people are going to laugh at me you know I can't do this. I came up with absolutely everything and I was terrified at the back of the room, the back of the church, and they eventually called my name and they said, "David, will you please come to the front and I was slowly. Literally shaking with my holding my paper as I'm walking towards the front of the church. I finally get there and put the piece of paper down. And then looking at the paper I realised that I just practised this over and over again. And that I can do this because I've prepared properly. And because I've prepared properly it's going to come from the right place. So people aren't going to laugh at me. And you know what if people do laugh at me. Why does it matter? And I just want to tell you a little bit, or we'll just read the end of that speech, if that's okay. It went like this. Do not lose heart. Though outwardly we may feel we're wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. It's for our light, a momentary troubles, that gives to us an eternal glory that far outweighs all. Do not focus on what is seen, but focus on what is unseen, because for what is seen is temporary for what is unseen, is eternal. My invitation to use this, explore the unseen. Explore the things that you're not really paying attention to. What is the lie? What is that thought? What is that thing that's causing you pain? Spend time doing it. Spend time working it out. I promise you that if you spend a little bit of time, just a little bit, thinking about, well, what is that lie that I'm telling myself that is holding me back? I guarantee that your life will never be the same again. And sometimes you just have to convert that pain and sometimes you have to recognise the lie that you're telling yourself about what you can't do. And sometimes you can use that setback, use that pain, use that lie to guide you in the future. I use Thinking Lies as my fuel my new book that's coming out on the 25th of August. The title of the book, Thinking Lies. What else? So, if you want to get a copy of the book as well, in terms of helping you identify what those lies are that you might be telling yourself, and how to write a more compelling future for your life, click in a link somewhere, somewhere, on here. If you want to see some more of these videos please just go to the subscribe button below as well. Okay. If you change today, today will change your life. So enjoy the rest of your day and enjoy the rest of your life. Thank you.